Well, good morning. I don't normally do that, but uh, seeing as I'm preaching on greeting one another, I thought it was maybe appropriate. If you do have your Bibles, can you turn to Romans 16, where I tortured Steve? I do apologize, kind of. <laughs> You did a great job, by the way. <laughs> that's what you do. You just act like you, you know what you're saying, and people look at it like, maybe that's how you say it. I don't know. That was pretty good. <laughs> Romans 16. We're going to begin there this morning. And before we do, let us pray. And ask for God's blessing. Father, we are so grateful to be here this morning, to be in your presence, to be gathered as your people, to be with you as needy, needy creatures, feeble and frail as dusts of the earth that are filled with your spirit. We look to you and know that everything we need is found in you. And we ask this morning that you would help us to know um, what this means to greet one another, and that we would, in love, become a people who, who do greet one another. Work, work a love in our hearts that longs to express itself, even in our greetings. And work now through your word, for we ask it in Christ. Amen. We don't normally think too much about greetings, do we? It's not something that we spend a lot of time analyzing. Because greetings are one of those just fundamental, rudimentary things that we do in culture. It's stuff you do. When you're a kid, your parents tell you, say hello. Right? Say hello. Say hello to the guests. Hello. And, and they watch and they observe. And we have just cultural ways of, of dealing with one another and greeting one another and, and giving salutations or goodbyes. And, and so this is just stuff that we, it, you just do it. And you don't think about it very much at all. But actually, the scriptures want us to think about it. Not only think about it, they command us to do certain things and do it a certain way. And I think there's a reason for it, which we'll see this morning. The greetings are actually a very important way for us to express love to one another. But we often don't think about it. And so it's pretty relevant. I think it's important that the scriptures come to us and say, listen, this is what you should do. And we should think about it and wrestle with it. And I hope to do that this morning. In Romans chapter 16, did you notice a theme when it was read for us this morning? I mean, it just goes on and on. And Paul wants to make sure that everyone is what? Greeted. Greet. This name I can't pronounce. Greet. This name I can't pronounce. Greet. 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 Get the theme? That's what Jesus goes all the way through. And then at the end of it, he says, he gets this general command to the whole church in verse 16. He says, greet one another in a particular way. Greet one another. After all these greetings are given out, greet one another how? With a holy kiss. Holy cow. Did I just hear that correctly? Holy kiss. Hmm. Well, then if we were to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 20, Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says the same thing at the, at the end. He's greeting people, and he exhorts the church. He commands and states this. 
All the brothers send your greetings. Now, in return, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. There will be no demonstrations this morning, by the way. <laughs> Guess what 2 Corinthians thirteen twelve says? Paul exhorts the church in Corinth again to, to what? Greet one another. And he doesn't just say greet one another. This is greet one another with a holy kiss. And Paul isn't the only one saying this. Peter also exhorts. He says it a little differently. I kind of like how Peter puts it. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 15, he commands, Greet one another with the kiss of love. It's an interesting expression. The kiss of love. Well, clearly there's a kiss of love, right? Whatever that is. In your notes, in the bulletins, you'll see it says the very first point that I had written in there is actually... I tweaked it after I sent it. I realized it wasn't the best way to express it. So it says in your bulletin, greet one another is basic to love, and we're going to get to that. But if you want to scratch that out, it's really not, the first point is going to be, it's about greeting one another with a holy kiss. I'm going to explain this really quickly. Well, I don't know quickly, but I'm going to try. Because here we're, ta- we're commanded to greet one another in a certain way with this holy kiss. And they don't just command the churches to greet one another. Why doesn't he say, and make sure you greet one another? Wouldn't that be appropriate? That'd be fine. That'd be legit. What's with the holy kiss? Well, I think part of it, we can break this down, and I, I kind of like the fact that they add the word holy. Like, there's a particular kind of a kiss here. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss, a sanctified kiss, a special kiss, a kiss, or as Peter put it, a kiss of love. And it clarifies basically what he's meaning. Clearly, clearly, you know, this is nothing, there's nothing provocative to this at all. And we know the flesh, perhaps they said holy kiss, and it's, we're glad they said holy kiss because some people would think they have apostolic injunction to start kissing in inappropriate ways. And they'd say the scriptures command it. No, the scriptures say uh, holy kiss, not just any kind of a kiss. So we know from holy, we know just from that very word holy that the intentions here are pure intentions. There's nothing inappropriate about it at all. It's a kiss that is like, the word holy has two components to it. It's set apart, it means it's special. And the other component has to do with purity. It's pure. And so this is the idea of this holy kissing. And we also have to understand that kissing in certain cultures is more common than others, especially public kissing. We're not in a culture, really, that goes around kissing one another for greetings. I mean, if you're in certain parts of Europe and in the Middle East, there are countries over there where people will kiss. Sometimes if you've ever been to the airport and you see families come together and you'll see them have routines and some of them go, mm, mm, some of them do this. And I watched one family, I don't know where they're from, but they actually, they missed. It's like they, they went cheek to cheek and they both went, well, that's interesting. And, it was, and they did it the exact same way. And there's others, they'll grab the, the elder will grab the younger and kiss on the forehead. There's some that actually do kiss right on the, they both kiss on the cheek. But we still, even in our culture, it's not totally uncommon. There's people who kiss. I mean, if you ever watch The Voice, there's Blake Shelton. If he's standing beside some guy longer than 20 seconds, he can't help himself. He just starts looking. Next thing you know, here it comes. He, he grabs him and he just like plants a big kiss right on the cheek. 
it's, it's quite funny. And he reminds me actually of a, a guy that some of you know, Marcus Monroe. <laughs> Good friend of Byron's. Well, it's so funny to watch Marcus, because Marcus would stand beside Byron, and I'd watch this happen, and he's looking at Byron, and about, you know it's coming. It's like, he just can't help himself. He reaches over, grabs a big hug, and then he just on the side of the face plants a big kiss. And it was just, you know, and then what we say is, well, that's just Marcus. That's the way Marcus is. I also had a friend who was, he wasn't quite like that, because he, for some reason, now don't get me wrong, he, he, he's, not, he's not getting drunk, but after a couple drinks, first he liked to hug and kiss you. And it was, it just, it's like he just needed a little bit of loosening up or something. And then he couldn't help himself. Next thing you know, all of his buddies, we know this of him, is that he, he hugs and kisses you. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's interesting because it's, so it's not totally uncommon in our culture, but it's uncommon enough that those guys are our anomalies. We talk about them, we laugh about them. It seems strange that someone ever gives someone a kiss, right? But this is the thing. There's something about this holy kissing, this pure kissing of one another. And, and we all know that any expression of affection has power, doesn't it? It impacts us. If someone sincerely reaches out to us and does something towards us and makes, makes any kind of a, a loving and affectionate move toward us, it impacts our hearts. But we, we have a problem today. A significant problem because we live in an overly sexualized culture today everything's about sex I read this fascinating article recently it's just it's it's I really ought to send it out if I remember I will send it to the church it's called how to stop sexualizing everything and in it in this one section the author says the problem with our modern culture is friendship has been corrupted. And then they go on to quote C.S. Lewis, who talked about the same issue. C.S. Lewis says it began with the age of sentimentality and romanticism. Friendship love, which is filio, with its blended blend of individuality and community, as well as its deep intimacy, raises us to the level of gods and angels. But then came romanticism with its return to nature and exaltation of sentiment, instinct, and the dark gods of the, in the blood. That's Lewis's quote, which I think probably has reference to lust. I couldn't figure out what the dark gods in the blood exactly meant. But this person went on to quote Lewis some more, stating this. Under this new dispensation, all that once commended this friendship love now began to work against it. The author continued, a culture riding the wave of passion abandoned filio or phileo for eros. And the effects on society have been devastating in ways people don't begin to understand. The tight control on feelings seeped into our culture, worsened by Victorian aloofness. We, began, we became a society that shook hands instead of kissed. Posture, decorum. And propriety puts space even between the most intimate associations. Everything became about sex. And this sexualization of our culture has become more intense over time. Just look at advertising. 
teeth whitening, floor cleaners, automobiles, dolls, food, drinks, makeup, even bubble gum, all associated with sex. Have you guys seen that recent commercial that uh, I think it's, it's a burger? J- I can't remember the company. JR something or whatever. It's, it, they're trying to sell a burger, and like they've, they've completely sexualized the whole thing. It's, it's, it's about a burger, not about this half-naked woman um, and this burger. It's like every, everywhere you look, this sexualization of everything. She goes on to say that the common things are completely asexual, have sexuality attached to them. Everything is about sex. We're saturated with it. The effect of this has distorted friendship. On the one hand, people don't feel free to show emotions. On the other, when they do, those feelings are sexualized. And so it just creates more and more space and more and more awkwardness between us. Because everything we think is somehow then starts to come across as being sexual in some way. And you, you always have to be super careful because, you know, if you express anything, if a person, like can you imagine if a girl, a, a, in our culture today, if a girl hugged a girl and kissed a girl, what would you immediately think? You would probably immediately think that, oh, there's something, um, some kind of homosexuality going on there. Right? Because that's the culture we live in. And that's the only people who would ever express themselves that way. Well, why couldn't uh, they give each other a kiss out of affection and love toward one another and a big hug? Because, because of the culture we live in, it's just, it's communicated to us and it's been all perverted and twisted. Which, which for us as the church, it even makes it harder to show love to people. You're always wondering what to do. It can be totally awkward. You don't know how to greet one another. Because often we get the willies about, well, we don't want inappropriate affection to be shown, and so we're not sure what to do. And it's like, a hug? You know? I don't know. It's like, what I, especially, especially if there's male, female friends, you don't, you know, some, 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 you're kind of waiting. Some people are huggers, and you're like, okay, they hug, and others, they're not, and you're not sure. And so everyone's like, you know, yeah, see you, bye. I don't know what we're doing here. Hey, it just has this weird awkwardness to it. And that's because we live in a culture that's created this. Of course, we read something like this, and we're exhorted to greet one another, and we especially says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The application, you don't think, okay, the Bible says that we need to start doing it. Let's immediately start kissing today. It's not, that's not how you apply the truth of what's being stated here. You have, that's why in Scripture you try to understand what's the truth, what's being communicated, not just word, words at face value sometimes. There's people who will say that. It says it in Scripture. We need to start doing it. Yeah, but what does it mean is the real question. Why? And I think fundamentally we have to begin doing this, greeting one another more affectionately. Affections are important. Because affections communicate love. When the apostles command us to kiss one another and greet one another like this with a holy kiss, they're commanding that affection be expressed in a physical way. Show love, in other words. Express love. They don't want the saints to pull back 
from one another out of prudishness or some false sense of holiness. Holiness means I stand like this and I, and I don't touch people because I'm holy. It's not what it means in the slightest. Holiness is about pure love expressed. That love has to get expressed. They want them to be affectionate toward one, or, one another. Brotherly love expressed. Because they don't want love trapped in your head and trapped in your heart. Like somehow I love, it's just right here. Or I love and I love intellectually. Well, that's never the idea in scripture. No, you express it. How do you express it? Through the affections. You show affection to others. And you know what? They understand that, you know, if you're going to show love to somebody, the most basic, the most fundamental, the most, the most rudimentary way to show it is at the very beginning through a greeting. Talk about getting practical. Okay, let's start at the very beginning. When you meet each other, do so with affection and love. Brotherly, holy love. You know, we all know that if someone doesn't, they're not greeters, they don't greet people, they pretty much, they don't make eye contact. They don't go out of their way. They pretty much keep their arms to themselves, themselves to themselves, and they just do their thing. What are those people typically known as? Pretty icy cold people, typically, right? It's like you get the sense of ice because maybe they're not, though, but that's what you, that gets communicated. On the other hand, if somebody's warm, if somebody's affectionate, if somebody makes eye contact and somebody smiles and somebody's reaching out to you, what do you think about that person? You typically think that person is warm and loving. They're outgoing. We say out because they reach out and there's something in them that desires to connect. And so we, we, we even understand intuitively whether someone is, is showing love towards us or not, simply even in the way people greet. Are they standoffish and cold and distant? Or are they warm and affectionate and they have a sense of love? There is something that we have to understand that there's power in showing affection. In an experiment conducted by American researchers, people were approached in the street and asked for a dime. A brief touch on the upper arm increased the likelihood of getting the money by 20% in this study, they figured out, they realized. Similar work was shown that the same subtle touch also significantly increase the likelihood that people will sign petitions. Leave a tip for waitstaff. Participate in supermarket taste tests, which in turn increases the chances that they will buy the product. Drink more in a bar and become involved in charity work. They, they did these tests all over the place. Okay, well, they become more involved in charity work. One person just asked, the next person asked them, and they, they said, just a touch, just all you just touch on the, on the upper arm, and 20% increase. Thinking, wow. <laughs> a, subtle, a subtle little expression, little tiny expression of connection, and boom, it, it changes the person's perception and willingness to take action. Amazing, right? I found 
quite fascinating. There was a, um, a quote by C.S. Lewis, and he put it this way, actually in the same book, The Four Loves. If you ever want to read a book about love um, that just can blow your mind in terms of its depth and insight in the different aspects of love, read Lewis's The Four Loves. He wrote this, Affection is responsible for nine-tenths of whatever solid and durable happiness there is in our natural lives. Affection. Nine-tenths of whatever happiness is in your life comes to you through affection shown. It's powerful. It communicates a lot to us. Because we are creatures created by God to show affection. And to understand love through affection. We can see from scriptures that God, the godly have always practiced showing affection to the people they love. I'm going to read several of them. And, and this is just to, just to get you to see throughout scripture how this has always been the way the godly have acted. In Genesis 29, 13, it says that as soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him into his home. In Genesis 33, 4, even a guy like Esau, we don't think of too highly of Esau. He's not a very good guy. But after about 14 plus years of seeing his brother Jacob, Jacob comes to him, he's terrified, thinks he's going to kill him, bows before him, and it says this, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. In Genesis 45, 14, this is the end of Genesis where Joseph meets his brothers. He greets his brothers this way after seeing them, after all these years of being separated from them. Not only that, these are the people who tried to kill him. We know the first person that he sees and he holds back is Benjamin. And it says this in verse 14 of chapter 45. Then he fell on his, on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. We also have the story of Jonathan um, saving David's life. He sets up this little scheme to show him whether or not his his father Saul was planning to kill him. And he discovers that Saul was going to try to kill him. And so he says, when I shoot these arrows, this is the marker you you need to take off. And so he shot the arrows, he communicated the sign, and then they met one another. And they said goodbye. And in 1 Samuel 20, 41, it says, And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. David himself says of Jonathan in 2 Samuel 1, 26, after Jonathan was killed in battle, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of a woman. What an expression. All these guys hugging and kissing and weeping and... <laughs> we, see, we see Mary embracing Jesus after the resurrection. Jesus rises from the dead. She sees him and she clings to him, it says. But he told her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet gone to my Father in heaven. He didn't say, don't, don't cling to me. Ooey. I don't do hugs. I'm too holy. 
No, it was, apparently it was fine. The only problem with it, it was that Jesus hadn't yet, hadn't yet gone to the Father. So that's the first thing I need to do before we, we do our hugs. You know, there will be plenty of time for hugs. You know, one of, the, one of the greatest stories to see the affections of God and the God as Father, if you look at Luke 15 and the prodigal son, we always know it about the son, right? But you know what? The, the father is a picture of God. And what does the father do when he sees his son a long way off? Here's a picture. Now, this is God himself. This is what Jesus is trying to portray. portray. Running out to meet his wayward son. And it says, he threw his arms around him and kissed him. That's great. That's God showing that he loves even his wayward son and shows his affections toward him. In in Acts chapter 20, verse 37, when Paul is saying goodbye to the church in Ephesus, it says, And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and kissed him repeatedly. Ooh. Repeatedly. Showing affection to the ones we love is something that needs to return to our culture. This overly sexualized culture where everything is about sex, it seems like. That's what we're, it's all about impure relationships. But we, have, we do not show affection and love toward one another. We need to get more comfortable hugging one another. And maybe even eventually somewhere down the road, after I'm gone, Kissing one another. <laughs> I'm not a big kisser. <laughs> but I do like hugs, though. I like hugs. And I think, you know, if what's got to happen is the church has got to be the, the people who bring back what it means to be holy, what it means to be affectionate and holy. And so they might not, we might not say we give holy kisses, but we sure give a lot of holy affection and love. And you can seal it, see it, feel it, and experience it. It's not something that's stuck in our heads. You know what, something, there's another aspect of this I want us to understand and, and see. That it doesn't just, it's not just affection that comes out that you see here in this holy kiss, but also What's assumed here, what has to be basically understood, is that greeting one another needs to be joyful. We need to greet one another joyfully. Because at the very least, at the very least, there has to be the intention in something like this. If you're, to, he's saying, greet one another, with a holy kiss, that you're exhorting them to express and communicate not just affection but also joy. I am happy to see you. And being happy to see you and being delighted to see you warms your heart. If I could care less to see you, there's nothing for you. But if I looked at you and said, it is so good to see you. It's like, wow, really? Yeah, that warms your heart. Just like the family dog. Dogs are the best. If you ever want to know what it looks like, most of them anyway, to be joyful in a greeting I mean, our dog goes over the top. He even wheezes a little bit. That's, that's a little extreme. But, but mo- mostly, 
wagging their tail, the tongues hanging out. Their eyes, it's like their eyes light up. I was so happy to see you. It's like, if your face is down here, I'd lick it right now. And just, if you want to see it in contrast, your heart goes out to the dog. You're like, thanks, dog. It's just so neat to see. At least someone in the family loves me. You know. But if you want to see the opposite, get a cat. You come home, the cat could care less. This is my planet. <laughs> and if it's interested at all, it might, there are cats that will come up to your leg and rub. It's like, you want to give me a back scratch? <laughs> that's, that, that's about, a, can you give me something, right? And so what's a cat communicating? I'm the king of the world, and would you serve me? The dog's communicating, man, I love you. It's so good to see you. That's <laughs> so true. We need to be a lot more like dogs and a lot less like cats. Because in greeting one another, we communicate. We let the people know, does this person love me, like me, or is not even interested in me? And with the affection and joy, we let the person know, I prize you. I like you. I delight in you. Hey, you know what? Um, I love you. That's why, you know, you get back here. Why is it all over the place? And why is it talked about so much? And why does Paul go out of his way to greet people? And why does he go out of his way to say, hey, commanding us. We're commanded in Scripture to greet one another with a holy kiss. Because by us being affectionate and being joyful in our greeting of one another, we communicate love, and we all know that. I think... I think we probably, most of us, have a lot of things to think about in this regard, especially if we have a lot of private, stoic ice to break. We're the kind of person who we've just gotten used to. We have patterns of being aloof, being kind of on our, on our own. We don't smile. We don't make eye contact. We just do our own thing. And I don't bother you. You don't bother me. And we get along just fine. It really has to be, this is the beginning of love. If you're going to express love, you express it through affection and you express it through joy and it communicates that person, I like you. I like you. I think you're a great person. I, in fact, forget like, I love you. And that's the whole thing. This is where it begins. It certainly isn't where it ends. This is just where it begins. The greeting is where it begins. And our love toward one another needs to begin with our greeting. And I know it won't be easy, even being exhorted like this, it's not easy for somebody who's so not used to this. It's like, oh, no. What are you asking me to do? I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't imagine hugging someone. I couldn't have, That would be the worst ever. I couldn't imagine. Like, what you, this whole idea is, like, so foreign to me. It's like, there's just no way I would ever even go there. Well, you don't have to go there. Hey, you know what? If, you, you, if you're a real stoic kind of personality and you're distant, if you make eye contact, maybe even just grin towards somebody, that feels like you just got kissed because you know that person. That was awesome. That was amazing. That person. So that was huge. It's not like 
showing affection and some showing love and showing and doing it joyfully, you know, for some people, that is smiling and eye, con- and eye contact because of where they're coming from. But for, for others, I think for all of us, we're all called to move towards being more joyful, to being more loving and affectionate towards one another. We all are. But you know, here's something else. Here's something that happens with whenever we're commanded by God, and I want us to understand this. All the commands of God should, should all of them, push you beyond your capacity. And here's why. God wants, I, think, I totally believe he wants us all to feel in ourselves our weakness and our inabilities, our lowliness, and then look in that position, in that humility, look to him for his strength, for his blessing, for his guidance. Now, here's the wonderful situation. Somebody, if you were exhorted to do something that you, you feel like, oh, no, I can't do that. Oh, man, that is a great place to be because you're close to making really good progress. Because right there, knowing you can't, here's typically people who are go-getters. They go out and do it. They sit there and they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing it. They believe they can do it. And they go and they take it on, but it only lasts like a week or two and it's done. It's over and like, you know, I give that a whirl. That doesn't really work. And they move on to something else. And then there's people who like look at it and go, there's no way I could ever do that. So why bother? Who cares? Move on. Those are two reactions to, to being challenged, to being exhorted, to, being, to given, uh, be given something like this and say, go and do it. But you know what the response of the godly, those who get, start to understand how it all works, is we begin to realize that in, in my weakness, God's strength is made perfect. And so when I go to God and, and I take to him the things that I can't do and, I, and I, I'm overwhelmed or things are bigger than me and, and, and I don't have the strength, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the, the ability at all, and I go to him and I say, God, I, I'm so weak. I, I don't love these people like I ought to love. I don't greet them like I ought to greet them. I don't, you know me. You know what I'm like. Check, 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 and I don't do it. Father, please, I need you. Would you work in me? Would you change my heart towards them? You know I can't, but I know you can. Would you work in me? That, if you, that right there is the way of growth and maturity. And that right there is somebody who starts to get their own weakness, their own inabilities, their own incapacity to do what God has called them to do, but gets and understands where the strength, where the ability, where the wisdom, where it all comes from. I'll guarantee you that if you walk with God for many years, you become quicker and quicker at confessing weakness, confessing inabilities, confessing, I can't do it. I'm not that, I'm really not that good. When you're younger, give it to me. I got it. Let's do it. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. You totally believe when you're younger that you got this. You can do this. Let's go get it. Let's attack it. And let's, and let's conquer it. And you go out and you get that tar kicked out of you. Boom, boom, boom. You're, you're laying on your back and you, know, you wipe the wounds and you get back up. And you're like, whew, let's do it again. 
And it usually takes a while, and life has a way. It's God just beating the tar out of you. You finally, you finally find yourself trembling on your knees. Oh, God, I'm an idiot. And I, I, I can't do this. I'm weak. You know I'm weak. You know I don't have the ability to do this. And now you're right where he wants you. God says, yeah, but I do. I do have the strength. I do have the wisdom. I do have everything you need. And I want you to know something fundamentally. Apart from me, God says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But you know what's so beautiful about that? But that scenario, that paradigm to growth and progress and maturity, who gets all the praise? God. You gladly praise him. (laughs) It's all him. It's not me. And you get all the benefit. And that's how you and I are going to grow and mature. Is you hear God's word, you hear his exhortation. We are to be affectionate and we're to be joyful in our greetings of one another. And you could sit there and you can either think one or two things. I could never do that. Forget it. You're an idiot. Or on the other hand, let's go. I'm going to start hugging and kissing everybody. You know, no. You have to understand that we're called to do this and we're called to grow and mature in this. And it's going to take us, first of all, going to God and saying, you know, I'm being called to do something. I find it very difficult, Lord. This is hard for me. I, I, I need to grow in this, and I want to grow in this. But I know I can't. I know my own inabilities. I, I know my own frailties. And I just need you, Lord. And Lord grants grace. And next thing you know, we're progressively, what are we doing? We're showing more affection. We're showing more joy. And over time, we become different people because God's changing us. And, God, and someone might say, how did you ever get there? And you say, oh, let me tell you, it has nothing to do with me. Please, please. It's the grace of God. God worked in my heart. I've been praying about this. This is something that I've been seeking him about, and he's progressively worked in my heart. I truly believe that we could become an incredibly affectionate, joyful people who when we greet one another, we greet one another with enthusiasm, we greet one another with affection and love, and it's beautiful, and it's glorious, we're demonstration of our love. But it's not going to happen like, okay, amen, we start hugging and kissing, and it's there, that's where we're at. No, it doesn't happen like that. It's going to happen because we see what we're called to and then we take this to the Lord and we begin praying about it and we begin progressing and asking God to change us and God to work in us and we begin to see us become more and more affectionate and joyful in our greetings of one another and love is being expressed right from the get-go. That's what I'm praying for. That's what we need to be praying for. And God will grant the grace and make us an exuberant people who know how to show love to one another in our greetings when we do that. Amen. Father, we're so thankful that you, you run to us, you reach out to us, you embrace us, you kiss us, you accept us, and you call us your children. You are not a God who's far off, who's distant, who's cold, who's aloof, but you're the God who's near. You're present here among us. You're present in us. You dwell in us by the Spirit. And you long for us to to show affection and joyful greetings towards one another so that we would reflect how it is you are with us, that we would manifest to the world and to everything that is physical what you're like. 
Oh, Lord, have mercy, and may we all, may we all grow in this. Give our, affect our hearts. Give us a deep affection for one another, love and, a, and joyfulness as we greet one another and as we interact with one another, that we might begin to communicate right from the get-go that we love one another because this is the goal of it all. We ask this in Christ. Amen.